in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Hey guys, welcome again to another episode of That Farm Life Podcast. My name is Archie Mason. I'm your host. Hey, thank you for listening to us. I think I mentioned this a couple of times. We're in almost every state in the U.S. and We've got quite a few of you folks from different countries that are listening to us. So thank you so much for being a part of this. We always want to provide a safe zone here at That Farm Life Podcast to kind of talk about the things that sometimes are a little hard in the agricultural community to talk about. And we always say it's okay not to be okay. We just want to help you not stay that way. You can check out our resources that are provided at the AgriHealth Network, and you can read more about us there. Today, we've got a very special guest with us. Her name is Jenna Martin. She grew up in a farming family. They farm rice, soybeans, corn, and she works alongside of her parents. Hey, thank you for joining us, Jenna. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Jenna, you are a young lady that is involved tremendously hands-on everyday activities in the farm. So tell us a little bit about your family and tell us about that lifestyle. Okay. Well, I grew up on a 1900-acre farm consisted of rice and corn and soybeans, and we used to grow milo. So ever since I was little, ever since I was adopted, I actually had been involved on the farm. And so that was just, you know, part of the farm life. You're always around it. You're always outside doing things, whether it's helping dad on the farm. You know, it was a great life for me and one that I wish everyone had the opportunity to get to do. You know, I, I love being outside. I love doing anything on the farm. Doesn't matter if it's 110 degrees or not. I mean, it's always fun. You find something to do. And it's always instilled a really big passion and love of agriculture and appreciation for people that farm and ranch. And ever since then, I've been wanting to do what I could to promote agriculture and to be the best role model I could for others out there. Well, I tell you what, because uh, I, I know kind of your family and your history and you are very involved, but you mentioned something you said ever since I was adopted. Let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. How old were you when you were adopted? Where did you come from? Anything you can share with us? I was adopted when I was 16 months old from Orenburg, Russia. Mom and dad, they tried to adopt in the States and, and some different things fell through. So 10 years after they were married, they decided to go to Orenburg, Russia. And they found me, thank goodness. And so I've been blessed ever since being able to stay with them and, and be their daughter and the way they've raised me and and being able to be exposed to the farm life. And ever since then, it's been a blessing. So I was about a year and a half old when I came to Arkansas. Wow. So uh, I know you have a Facebook account. And uh, so if anybody's listening, they just wanted to maybe see that picture on Facebook, they could go there and, and probably find that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we say this on our broadcast that, you know, I didn't choose the farm life. It chose me. And so really mm-hmm. for you, that specifically is, is what happened. Yeah, you chose it, but it chose you. So you have grown up uh, involved uh, here on the farming agriculture. And so now you mm-hmm. went to uh, Arkansas State University and got a degree. What was that in? That was in agribusiness. I actually okay. went, when I was homeschooled K through 12, which was giving me another, another opportunity to stay close to home, be on the farm, things like that. 
And then I went to EACC, East Arkansas Community College. And I was able to still stay on the farm and live at home. So that was really a good opportunity to get my, you know, it's a good transition from getting my basics. And then I went to ASU in Jonesboro and I did get my bachelor's in agribusiness and my minors in communication. Hey, how do you think your degree, ag business, has really helped you and been an impact on your family's farm? It's it's one that I chose because I really wanted to do something in communications because I've been involved in 4-H and, and I've been I'm a, I'm a talker. I'm a people person. And I just thought that maybe PR or something like that might have been what I want to do in the future. But I want to do agribusiness because of all the finance courses. And that was something that I was lacking on. And that's something you can always learn. I mean, I know it's been a lot different from when my dad farmed versus when I'm farming now. You know, I remember when my dad said that his dad went to the bank. And when he got his farm loan, the guy pretty much just the banker just handed him three blank checks and said, you know, just make your best decision throughout the year. And now you have so much paperwork and you have to make budgets. And it's a lot involved stuff that I didn't know and stuff I'm still learning. Yeah. Hey, also, as a a young lady, a farmer in agriculture, I know my wife showed me some pictures the other day. I think are on your Facebook account or your families or your mom's. But, hey, I I saw you pulling rice spills. Uh, I saw Mm -hmm. you. Hey. You know, anybody that's done that before that's in the rice industry, you're wet from head to toe. A lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, the dews on the rice, you start early in the morning. So, uh, yeah, you got a degree in business and, you know, finance, but you are out there in the day-to-day operations. Is that correct? Yes. And that's what I was more familiar with. I was more involved on the manual labor side versus the bookkeeping side. And so it's really neat, you know, trying now to figure out these cost per acre things that, you know, I'm showing dad like, hey, look at this. Do you know this is what this was? And so we're kind of learning together. And but I was more involved with, you know, I drive the tractors. I mean, before disking, land planting, cultivating, you know, rolling rice, rolling the fields before you plant the rice or beans. And and so I did a little bit of all of that and then helping with irrigation in the summer. And there's still it's always a learning process. That's something I've always said. And even dad says that, you know, it's something always to learn. I mean, he's been farming since he was little and then his dad and even my mom's side of the family, they were agriculture, they were, you know, farm families. So it's always been on both sides of the family, but it, it gives you a different appreciation for the, the work ethic that, that you get from it. And it's something that I've always enjoyed being outside. I couldn't be inside is what I always told myself. I couldn't just be stuck in an office. I, I, it was, I just can't do it. I'd go nuts. <laughs> hey, well, I think I know the answer to this, but have you ever been stuck in a uh, four-wheel drive tractor in a grain cart before? Have you ever gotten one of those? Me? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever gotten I one of those? Been. I have been. Yeah. I well, was in a, I was grain carting that horrible year of 2018 when it was so wet and everyone had such a late, late harvest. And I did it's the first time I got stuck. And I wish it was the last time, but that that traumatized me. I, I didn't eat for like three days after that. I was so upset with myself. But well, it I, I got out there and had my shovel. And I think dad, he um Yeah, I it, think we, there was we a backup. There was grain off it. Yeah, was involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looked like. A, hey, well, anyway, I saw pictures. So, it looked like I don't know if they even <laughs> they had the combine tied to it, trying to pull it. They had a backhoe digging and saw you with the shovel. Yes, you did mention to, that it's something around Thanksgiving. You said this haunts me every Thanksgiving to think about it. So, yes, it was Thanksgiving night. It haunted me. We because I remember it was Thanksgiving and we 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 ate we ate Subway on the on the tractor in the combine that night for sub for Thanksgiving, but. No, I, he tried to pull me out with the combine. The combine got stuck. So, and the train was so tight that we couldn't, nothing could move. And so we had some cousins over there. They brought their green cart, tried to unload mine on theirs. And 
fine the next day. We got the backhoe out there, but I'm, I'm glad that season was over. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, I'm not making fun of you. Hey, any of us, I was raised in that rice uh, farming industry too, but any of us, uh, we have all stuck tractors and combines and that kind yes. of stuff, especially you deal in rice. So, hey, you also mentioned, Jenna, mm-hmm. about 4-H. Uh, we have a lot mm-hmm. of people in Arkansas and all surrounding states involved in 4-H. How did that have an impact on you? 4-H is, is a great organization, a great program that I'm glad that we got involved in. Our, our leader that was um, the leader of our homeschool group since I was homeschooled was also the leader of our 4-H club in the county. So from an early age, from five years old, I was involved in 4-H all the way till I graduated out in, in when I was 19. And the things you learn in 4-H is it's so much, you know, you have public speaking. I made a lot of speeches and that could go all the way to the state level. And then you you learn different things that even involved with my career now, you know, it's seed and weed identification. That was one of my favorite events and competitions that I competed in. And it teaches you, you know, community service and leadership. So many things that, and so many people that I've seen now that I grew up with in 4-H and went to state events. And you can see how they've grown and matured and the careers they're in now. And it's so much of a well-rounded organization that teaches you so much about life and about community and about leadership and, and team building exercises that you would do every year at different events. And it creates a really big network too. Hey, sir, you're also involved in Farm Bureau. Tell, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. I've been involved in Farm Bureau probably since I was little. A lot of these things you're just kind of introduced to, you know, because 4-H and different things in Farm, they're all kind of tied together. So I was getting more involved the older I got. And so I'm now on our county board and I do the discussion meets. And I was even active in the Collegiate Farm Bureau. I was the president of the Collegiate Farm Bureau at ASU in Jonesboro. And I compete in their collegiate discussion meets. And for me, it's all about people that you meet. You know, this is always an opportunity for me to meet people and to learn from others. And so that's what I really like about Farm Bureau and just went to the Farm Bureau Convention last week. And I would like to eventually go to the American Farm Bureau and get involved and kind of learn more about, you know, because Farm Bureau is really big for lobbying for agriculture and for farmers and ranchers. And that's something that all of us want to do. And that's what we all have to do. We have to tell our story before someone else tells it wrong. So that's something that I really fell in love with, with Farm Bureau. Hey, you are exactly right. I agree with that uh, 100%. And I also am involved with Farm Bureau, and they do a great job mm-hmm. of looking out for those farmers and ranchers. Okay. Hey, let's talk about mm-hmm. one of our previous conversations, because I did see you at the, the Arkansas Farm Bureau convention. But, man, we got the rising cost of inputs, okay, fertilizers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I also want to talk about conservation on your farm. But first, let's talk about this upcoming farming season. Uh, this is on everyone's mm-hmm. mind. How, how's this affecting you uh, and your dad? Uh, how's it affecting you guys on in your farming operation? I know it's impacted a lot of people's decisions for next year when it comes to, you know, what are you going to plant? I mean, is there something? I've even seen some posts on Facebook people. It's a funny question, but it's also kind of serious. They're saying, how? what can I plant that has to take the least amount of fertilizer because people are trying to figure out, you know, where are my options? You know, urea, for example, maybe two years ago when I pre-booked some urea, it was like $230 a ton. And now it's projected at like $1,100. I think last week it was like 950 and it could go even higher than 1100 I've heard. And that's just, it's kind of discouraging because you look at the budgets and everything you see on like corn, rice and beans, it's, it's always like a negative per acre. So you, you don't, I mean, what are you going into? What, what's your options? People are trying to figure out, do you liquid nitrogen? What kind of crop rotation are you going to have next year? People are projecting that there's going to be a lot of beans planted, less corn and rice acres since they take more nitrogen, more fertilizer. 
Um, I know that we may be cutting back a little bit on maybe acres and, and what acres are planted. They may be shifted to more beans. I mean, who knows? Some people are going to keep their rotation the same from what I know. They're going to keep the same rice and bean rotation. But it's, it's got everybody just kind of at that point where they're saying, what do we do? And especially it's even like with chemical, you know, some chemical that I think Roundup that's you know, been fairly inexpensive is now like tripled and even for the generic brand. And so people are just getting kind of discouraged and, and trying to figure out, you know, what do we do? You know, uh, Jenna, I'm going to make a statement. And I'm going to ask you a question. And uh, it, okay. you can answer with your opinion of that. So mm-hmm. my son, okay. my son told me the other day we were looking at Baylor Twine. He said Baylor Twine mm-hmm. has gone up 35%. Okay. So th- mm-hmm. this is for those ranchers out there. Whether or not that's true, that's a statement that was shared with him. Mm-hmm. Um, do you really think there is a shortage of supply? Do you think that's what's causing this or, um, well, this may be hard to answer. Do you think maybe that people just looking at some of this as an opportunity to make a profit in the ag industry with the input costs? So what's your thoughts on that as a young lady in agriculture? As much as I would want to think that that wouldn't be the case, I, I would say that that could be it. You know, I've heard in red articles where, People have gone to these different conventions talking about the fertilizer prices, and they say there's no reason for them to be this high. You know, so whether it's just people taking advantage of the situation, everyone wants to, you know, blame it on COVID and different things. And I know that impacts to a certain degree, but, you know, how much of that's price gouging or just taking advantage? I mean, I don't think it should be as high as it's been, honestly. I don't see a reason for it to be. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I didn't know how you were going to answer that. So good answer. Thank you for sharing it with us. Hey, let's talk about, and again, Jenna, what you brought up, and that'll be the conversation on the podcast, probably all the way till planting season. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about, because it's, I tell you the guys I've talked with, and again, this is whether you're, whether you're selling hay or rice or soybeans, mm-hmm. everybody's evaluating how we're going to do this. Um, Tell us about conservation uh, on the farm again, you know, because you were brought up through 4-H, Vine Farm Bureau. Mm -hmm. Tell us what kind of practices maybe you guys have implemented or what you try to do uh, in Mm -hmm. the area where you farm. Well, people, that's one thing that farmers kind of get attacked for is, you know, the environment. And and it's it's odd to me because I'm like, you know, people, farmers that are very involved with their farm operation when it's really succeed. That's the number one thing you have to look at is making this sustainable and making it able to last year after year for the next generation. So we do a lot of things that, and probably what gets me is a lot of farmers do a lot of things as far as conservation practices, but they've done it for so long. And it's just natural to them. They're not just telling people, Oh yeah, we do this, this and that on our farm. And it's like, you know, you need to tell people that because what you do every day, you may not think nothing of it. And other people don't get to see that. But some of the things we do is like we recycle our poly pipe, you know, Delta Plastics and different ones they, they have where you can have drop off places and then they recycle those. And I think they use them for trash bags once they melt them down. And then we recycle our motor oil and we flood fields for wildlife, which that can just be stopping up the pipes and catching rainfall. And then we have different irrigation programs out there now that makes us able to water things more efficiently and using correct hole sizes and, you know, like pipe planter and different things. Those are making it a lot easier to water row watered crops. We leave standing crops at harvest for different animals to benefit from during the fall and winter seasons. We keep records of the water when we're watering crops during the season. And we also have our crop rotation. And one of the things we've done in the past few years is we've added corn instead of milo. And so that's been better to, you know, with the, the root system of corn and being able to provide more nitrogen into the soil. That's been something that we've been excited about. Oh, yeah. But people have to realize, I mean, these are family owned farms. It's not, you know, they're 
there's not these big corporations. I mean, all the farms in Arkansas, 97% of them are family owned. So people want to make sure that they do this, the soil and the land right every year to make sure that they have it there year after year. Hey, Jenna, as a, a young farmer, what would be words of advice to other young ladies or even young men who say, I want to, I want to get involved in farming. I want to live that life and I want to take care of the land. What's your advice to, especially to those who are young women, maybe raised just like you on a family farm, but also maybe to some young men who are out there who are considering farming as their career? It is a good lifestyle and it is good. I mean, a lot of people that farm, a lot of people probably look at them and go, well, that's crazy. You know, you put up with the, the weather and the markets, things you can't change and yet you want to do it year after year. And there's people that's been doing it, you know, up until like almost the day they die, you know, or retire. And so people it's, it's in them. It's just something in their blood, something they love. And when you instill that kind of love and passion for it, it doesn't really feel like work. And there's more women getting involved now. I mean, I know I remember seeing one of the USDA census and it was talking about how now 36% of the ones involved farmer female farmers. And so there's about 73% of all the female producers that actually help manage the day-to-day operations too. And 30% of female producers are involved in the beef cattle industry. So it's not just on the row crop side, but also on the cattle side. So they're being able to take more responsibility. They're being able to make decision on the seeds that are being planted every year, you know, the record keeping or even the breeding of the cattle. And I guess it's just something that women are realizing they can do. You know, when I grew up on the farm and I wanted to go into farming and ag, I would tell people about in our community and no one's ever said anything negative to me about it. No one's ever said, oh, you're a woman, you can't do that. You know, that might have been something 20, 30 years ago that might have actually been brought up or someone might have not been familiar with women being involved in that role because it is more of a man's role and it has been. But no one's ever been negative. They know women can do it. Women have the same opportunities as guys and I've even heard other people saying in other professions like there's been some construction workers that they said they want females to run their equipment because they're easier on it they won't try to you know hurt they're more cautious and so women can do it I mean guys can do it too and there's different programs out there like with FSA that actually offer different opportunities for younger farmers to get involved in agriculture and so they have different programs for different groups of people like beginning farmers and female farmers. You know, I was at church last night and an older gentleman who's a rancher, he come by, he said, Hey, Archie said, how's your cows doing? I said, I don't know. You have to ask my wife. I "I really don't know. (laughs) She's the one, she's the midwife, the nursemaid. She she takes care of everything. We need to call her and see how I'm doing. So so yes, (laughs) I I agree. Hey, thank you for sharing that too, Mm -hmm. Jenna. And I know that'd be encouragement to others. And I agree 100% with you. Now, there's a lot of factors that are out of your control, you know, in the ag mm-hmm. industry. We've talked about some of the pricing. And uh, I had a farmer friend the other day who said he was on an airplane flying somewhere. And so he's having a conversation with a guy next to him. After about 20 minutes of conversation, the guy said, what do you do for a living? And my friend said, I'm a professional gambler. So the guy exactly. looked at him. Yeah, looked at him, looked out the window, looked back at him, said, well, you don't look like a professional gambler. He said, well, I farm. And the guy paused for a moment. He said, oh, yeah, now I understand. So I think a lot of things out of your control. How do you deal with stress? You know, a lot of what we do here in our broadcast, we try to help walk through uh, with people regarding discouragement or stress, uh, loss on the farm. But how, how how are some ways that you deal with stress? Well, um, my mom and dad, they've always taught me how to have, you know, a close relationship with God. And that's one of the things is being a farmer, you know, let alone 
someone that's not able, I mean, how do you get through this life without God is something that we've always kind of wondered. I mean, especially when you're farmers, I mean, things you can't change. It's like, you're so dependent. I mean, everyone's dependent on God, but we're very dependent. I'm, I'm trying to, trying to make it. And it's, it's hard to imagine people not doing that or, or taking advantage of that, but it can be, like you said, it is a gamble. We've always said that too. We've always said, you know, it's always a gamble. We've never went to Tunica because we get, we farm and why would we have to? <laughs> But that's what gets me is like when I was out on the farm, like when you're out there working, you know, it's, it's hot, you're sweating, you're out there early and you're out there checking water, but you see these, these little snippets of God everywhere. It's like, you know, you get to see the sun coming up across the beans and it's so beautiful. And I, I love taking photos and you can see the, the water, you know, with the sunrise and you can see um, the crops at harvest. And there's just so many things you just sit there and you're just kind of like, wow, you know, this is like why we do it. And, and you know, there's a God out there and it's so beautiful. But, um, we, there's some tough times for sure. I mean, you can, you always have to just kind of step back and realize and just take a, take a breather and, and, um, try to make it day by day. Hey, Jenna, another question also, how, I know it's very hard in a family farm. Are you and your family ever able, are you able to get away for a vacation? I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know it's never done, but you ever tried to establish a structure just to maybe get away or you just try to do the best you can or how does that work? We usually try to make it like in the summer when we're watering, we try to make it to where we rotate a little bit or we're able to, you know, dad always offers to watch fields or maybe find to watch something for him and then make it to where if they want to get away and go away for the evening or for the day or something like that. We try to make it work because that's what some people have learned that they try to make work on their operation they try to make it to where they can have a weekend here and there when it's at their busiest schedule just to get away and try not to let it you know all stay inside and get all bundled up and just get so frustrated with what's going on or just get so worn out and worn down so you have to kind of you have to step back and take moments even if it's hard you have to try to find a little break here and there and then of course in the winter that's more kind of our break time when things are you got the crops out you got everything cleaned up and now you're just kind of waiting to but even now, I mean, in the winter, it seems like you have paperwork and different things to do to get ready for the next year. So, but you have to just find those opportunities and, and take them. Yeah. Well, hey, that's a good response. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I've asked that question to many of our uh, many of our folks that we've interviewed for the podcast, and they they generally say, "Hey, I don't do a very good job at that." I think that's something everyone in the farming industry, you know, <laughs> everyone in business knows. If you know. If you don't plan your calendar, your calendar will plan you is how it works. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so all those listening out to, hey, encourage, I know it's a winter months now. And there's always a lot of paperwork and stuff going on. But, hey, really look at your schedule and if, uh, you know, and your family and try to plan that time to get away. Hey, you made a, you made a statement earlier. You said that, I think in Arkansas, because I haven't heard that statistic, do you say that 97% of the farms in Arkansas are family-owned farms? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Yes. I think I, I saw that on the Farm Bureau website, actually, but 97% yeah. are family-owned. Wow. That's amazing. With all of our listeners out there then, you know, for those in the Arkansas, state of Arkansas, I don't know, we got, like I said, the listeners almost every state. You know, most farms across America are family-owned farms. And so I know many of you probably found yourself at the place where uh, Jenna and her family are. And I I just want to say to all of you involved in the uh, ag family out there, thank you for working so hard. Uh, Thank you for providing food for this nation and uh, for the world. And we want to encourage you here at the uh, AgriHealth Network to continue to uh, continue to persevere. 
through the tough times that we all face, uh, but just continue forward. And I know, as we said, hey, you didn't choose it. It chose you, that lifestyle, but you got to love what you do. You know, it's that faith in the Lord, you know, looking to the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him. And, you know, you can on the farm, especially walk out every day and can see uh, his uh, handiwork. Hey, if you've got some questions, uh, uh, even regarding this faith and trust in the Lord that Jenna talked about, or you got an idea for the podcast, or, or you'd like to share your story with us, just uh, email us at info at agrihealth.net. Hey, until next time, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Keep farming and keep the faith. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, Harvesting Strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, Keep the faith.